Welcome to the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Studio, where we explore the passion and the purpose behind some of the amazing people in our community, and above all, their stories. I'm Dr. Pablo Paredes Romero, and all my career, I've been fascinated by entrepreneurship and innovation. From the moment an idea is scribbled on a napkin, drawn on a tablet, whiteboarded, spoken out loud in the shower or in the car on the way to someone's nine to five, it's all about the work and the art behind the venture. Christine Schweininger is a pro. The CEO of Valley Builders Exchange, everything about her says polish. She is hands down the most talented networker I have ever met. Her enthusiasm is unflappable, her resolve legendary, and her desire to connect people is a reflex. She cannot help but find something interesting about you. Immediately think of someone whom it would mean a great deal to you and your life to introduce you to. And then, the next thing you know, you're at the punch bowl shaking hands with someone who will figure significantly in your life. Christine is the reason I may actually still be here in so many crazy ways I've lost count. She is responsible for christening a thousand seaworthy ships. And Christine Schweininger is not afraid of that job. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Studio with our guest, Christine Schweininger. Hi, Christine. Hello. I want to talk about community. Tell me about the community in which you grew up. Well, I grew up in the Bay Area and I grew up in a very diverse home. My parents were both very religious and occasionally, probably every other month, held really nice dinners. And so we had people visit that were missionaries. We had different ones at the dinner table, different backgrounds, completely different sometimes from my own. And that gave me an opportunity to open up the window and really learn about others. And it was exciting. So I'm really proud that I came from a background that was very diverse in in the Bay Area. What does the word itself, community, come to mean to you in your life? I think coming together and a sense of pride. You get to know different ones in your community and you just feel, you see so many different ones try to make a difference and it brings us together. And every time there's something new happening, somebody's being successful is just another point that we are strong and we're, you know, really close knit. Have you seen uh, the business community here in the Central Valley evolve over the years? I have. You, you see a lot more the rise of younger entrepreneurs, and it's exciting because you don't really see the fear. Maybe they're just not showing it. I don't know. But it's exciting because it's different things, coffee shops, restaurants, and so forth. And you just want to get behind them and really support them. So I love it. Where do you see it all going, do you think? Like, what do you see in the future? I think, I think every time someone young, a couple, is opening a restaurant, it's exciting because then you see others saying, hey, I can do that. I worked in a restaurant my whole life. I have the ability. I know how to do that. And it gives you the courage. Or if it's a coffee shop or starting your own home business, every time someone's successful and they share that story, it gives hope to the next person. So I'm hoping that as we grow and every time we turn around, there's something new popping up. It's amazing how, how much interaction, how much collaboration you see in the Central Valley business community, isn't it? Absolutely. What would you say is the single most important thing that you could share with a new business owner in the Central Valley about starting one up here? I would say to stay relevant and keep up with technology and have a clear vision. And more importantly, to never get comfortable. Because once you start getting comfortable and you just kind of keep going down that path, you're losing out. Mm -hmm. Because a person that has the same business down the road is progressing. So really stay on that path and be excited about it and keep growing. Figure out what you can do to be more successful. What would you say has been your most powerful learning experience as the community leader that you are? Learning to listen and ask questions, and more importantly, learning to work together because you're, you have the same goal. So really, it's important to take a step back and just figure out how can we have the same goal? How can we do this and achieve that goal together? What would you say lifelong learning, the term lifelong learning means to you? 
I think for me at Valley Builders or a different job or any job you get, I think a question you should always ask is in the budget, you know, do they have a budget for personal development? And I think that's so important because if you come in and you're lacking on certain goals, because you're not going to have the whole package. So it's important that you're constantly going out there and taking those classes and keeping up with the trends and the needs that are going out there, especially for your company or your organization. Who or what has been your greatest teacher, would you say? Well, I'm honored that I have so many. I can't think of one person in general, but I honestly can say that I'm surrounded by so many different ones in in different organizations who really set the bar high. And every time I walk away, I think to myself, that's where I need to be or that's what I need to work on. So being surrounded by those that are, you know, really mature and there are some that are young that are doing a great job as well, but it's your circle. That's really important. If you're wanting to achieve and do better, then you got to surround yourself with those kind of people, like-minded. What would you say the role of research should play in the everyday life of a CEO? I'm constantly trying to learn as much as I can. We're a membership organization and at the exchange, I have to find out what brings value. So by meeting with my members and talking to the members and trying to find out, you know, what has worked in the past, what is it they need and trying to find the value. Members want to become members because they want to go online to bid on jobs. So 18 years ago, all exchanges had a room packed with people coming in to bid jobs. But around 18 years ago, everything went online. Technology came in and that changed the platform. Now they're able to work from home, their cell phone, and they're able to bid on jobs. Mm -hmm. But because of that, you know, we have to constantly think, okay, what's going to happen in five or 10 years from now? Are Mm -hmm. we going to be prepared? Maybe there'll be another shift. So it's constantly looking and seeing how can we be relevant to our members if they didn't use that plan room? Mm -hmm. You know, you're constantly looking outside the box and you're trying to figure out what are the trends that are working? What are the needs of our members? It is important. I can't sit back and just hope that everything will just work and stay in place because that doesn't work. What role do you believe research should play for a nonprofit CEO? Well, every organization, as we know, is different and everyone, every need is different. So really understanding what your mission is and making sure you're following that. You have a, a board that's directing you and making sure that you're staying on that path to take care of what whatever it is that their your mission is. I also feel that, you know, when I was at the chamber, it was very different. Our mission there was, you know, small business, making sure we were able to take care of them. We were the backbone of a voice for them and not just a organization where you're holding events and mixers, but really understanding the process of starting a business and keeping it running. So really, it's just understanding what the needs are of your own organization or your nonprofit. What do you find yourself enjoying researching the most? Looking at the bottom line to see if it's first profitable or if there's a value and just seeing that if it really worked. I love the fact that uh, we can bring on a program and if it's giving value to our members, then you walk away feeling proud. Kind of like when we had our women in construction, we started giving out scholarships for those that are going into the the trades or any kind of construction related job. Last year, we gave out several and seeing these young women walk away so happy because they were in a room filled with so many women in the same industry. You know, it really does make a difference. It makes you feel better that that's what, you know, we should be doing. So when I look at research and looking at different things that are working, I'm looking at the trends that are out there. What's going to help us? What other organizations are doing something maybe we could do better or we could partner with? What is the secretly coolest part of what you do? really getting the opportunity to meet our members, hearing their stories, how they started, how they've kept their grandfather's business going. I think it's really exciting. I love small business. I really do. And I love that spirit of, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit of keeping it going. So I think for me, that would probably be it. That would be the the funnest, really getting those relationships. and, And I'm still close to several, even though I don't work in the same industry. What does the word innovation mean to you? 
continuously growing and learning and keeping up with the new products and in the industry and new services that are available. What do you think it should mean, the word innovation mean to us here in the Central Valley? We have an amazing community. I think I say that all the time. We have so many talented individuals making a difference and showcasing what they're doing. I love the fact that we have some young people that are running boutiques and they're just trying to keep up with the bigger stores. How are they doing that? You know, <laughs> right. it's their social media. They're keeping it active. Mm-hmm. I may not even wear that size, but after seeing it three or four times on someone else, I'm excited. I want that, even though I know I'm not going to look like like that. So really it's it's seeing the different ones that are running a business and keeping up and figuring out what's working and it seems like for certain ones the different social media platforms really does make a difference. How do you feel that you've been most innovative the Valley Builders Exchange? I think when I came on I asked my president at that time give me three things that you'd like me to work on or you would like to have changed. One was developing our board, and then there was uh, one of the things, uh, having an event for students, and then the third thing was for women. She had said she owned her own construction company, and she mentioned, I really would love to have a lunch here at our office, maybe quarterly, where we have, you know, 10 or 12 women that own construction companies come together and talk about the different, you know, things that we go through, you know, running a business. And I said, oh my gosh, I could do better than that. You know, let's have an event and let's give scholarships out and let's figure out what we can do to really showcase how many women are in construction. It's always a sold out event. And the word I hear from so many is that I had no idea how many women were in construction. And then I hear, I didn't even know that, you know, when you think of construction, it's not painting the wall or nail to, you know, hammer and a nail, Mm. but there are so many different jobs that go underneath that. So you might've started you know, at the front desk, but eventually worked your way up to different positions. So the window of opportunity is there. I think being excited about opening the doors and trying new things. That's innovation. What are you going to do differently? What are you going to add on that provides value? Sometimes I'll look at something and think maybe that would be great, but is it really financially benefit to our company? So I have to really look at all the aspects. I want it to be You've had a wonderfully diverse and successful career. Tell me about a time when it all came together for you, when you applied things from all the different career experiences that you've had to make your career what it is today. I don't really know if there was one thing that just woke up one day and I said, this is it. I think it's many ups and downs and experiences might have been different situations that that I was in that really just helped my growth. You know, pushing myself constantly to do things that I don't like. I don't like public speaking. I come from a family who thrived on it. And Mm. part of my job is to, you know, you've seen me on the stage, but I don't really care to do it. I really really don't care to do it. But it's constantly making myself because it's pushing those bars of, you know, making sure that I'm not just getting comfortable within myself. So I, I would have to say that there's not just one time. It's just constantly putting myself in a situation that I probably feel this is uncomfortable and I probably should be doing it. So this is radio. So you cannot see my face of genuine, <laughs> authentic surprise. I've seen you speak. <laughs> so. You know, there's that. What would you like to learn one day and apply? The patience to work on contracts. The patience to work on contracts. That's a big one. That's that's, that's definitely a big one. It's so tedious and time consuming and just kind of like, that's just something I I really dread. So, (laughs) (laughs) Would our students be best served to know about applying what they learn here with us, do you think? Building good relationships and to always remember to never burn bridges. We're in a small community and you will find somebody always knows someone. So even if you don't like someone or disagree 100%, you know, it's always better to say, you know, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. You know, thank you for sharing and go your own direction, but don't burn a bridge. 
you know, it's just mm-hmm. not worth it because you never know if you go to that next job or you need that letter of recommendation mm-hmm. or you, you burn bridges and all, all of a sudden in your community, you know, you become a liability. And you don't want that. You're leaving college to start your career and you should be growing. So developing great relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, getting involved in organizations that really can help you, whether it's a chamber or rotary or, you know, giving of your time, that always helps because relationships Mm -hmm. is really what's going to help your career. That's so important. Who is Christine Schweininger? Good question. Let's Google her. Nice. I'm just kidding. Among the better answers we've gotten <laughs> to that question. <laughs> you know, I was raised in the Bay Area. I'm an only child. Both my parents were devout Christians who wanted to be missionaries. That was their whole goal with them when I was growing up. Other than that, I, I think I had a, a good life. I have many friends who still know me on social media, and I never put that out there because, boy, they just jump on that <laughs> as an only child. But it really is interesting, though. It's not that you know, when you, when you're one child versus two to three, when your child does something that's, you know, colored a flower that looks lopsided, what do two parents do? It's like, oh my God, let's have a celebration. You know, we're going to jump for joy. (laughs) I have three kids. So by the time my third kid showed me a flower, I'm like, that's great. Put it on the refrigerator. Okay, let's move forward. (laughs) So, you know, I grew up with, I'm, I'm very proud that I had two great parents who, you know, did their best in um, trying to raise this crazy child, which was me. <laughs> I want to go back to Christine and her earlier career. What was she like? I think always excited to take over. Like if someone said, who's going to do this or who's going to run with that? I was like, oh, I'll do it. Not knowing if I could or if I should. I just, that was just my personality. I think I'm just kind of a go-getter. And I'm definitely, I don't ever follow the crowd. I think that was the one thing that I've, my husband realized. If if everyone seems to be going one direction, I'm always questioning it. and thinking, I'm probably not going to agree with that. But, you know, I'll keep mm-hmm. it to myself, sleep on it, and try to figure it out. But growing up, I've always been that one person that, you know, if everyone says, look this way, I'd probably look the other way. Or don't question this, I'm definitely questioning it. So that's who I was growing up. Where did Christine then see herself now, do you think? Or did she think in those terms? No, absolutely not. I don't think I woke up like my son and said, this is what I want to be and this is what I'm going to do. Actually, you know, even my other daughter just always has known what she wanted to do. My career has just kind of always evolved and just kind of went from one job and someone would say, hey, you'd be great over here. Would you consider? And I'm like, I don't know anything about your industry. Okay, let's do it. And so I went so there and then, <laughs> and then I, somebody else said, oh, you know what? I need this. And I, and, and same thing when I started the magazine, someone, a partner of mine said, hey, I'd really like to do a newsletter and I'd like to really highlight different ones with the specific on Latinos. And I, and I said, oh, I can do that. Let's do it. I really never did I, you know, put a magazine together, but we did and it was successful. So I think it was just kind of my personality going, let's do it. Sounds exciting. I'm ready. That's brilliant. Who are Christine's earliest allies? I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by incredible people. I still consider the ones that I call my mentors, you know, for advice. There are times where, you know, when you're in a leadership role, you're expected to know it all, figure it out and have Mm -hmm. it, you know, take care of it. There's no room for crying and whining and, you know, feeling like you're mistreated. You figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so there are times where you want that circle around you that understands that process and understands, you know, different ways of dealing with it. So I'm very fortunate that I have those ones that I can still call and say, hey, what's your thoughts? do you think I'm handling this the right way? This is the direction I want to go, but I'm not sure if that is the right way. And I have those that are around me that will say, absolutely, I think you've got it and sounds like the right way to go. So, How do you feel that you developed your decision-making skills in your career? I think for me, when it comes to major decisions, it's okay to say, you know what, I need to sleep on this. Uh, major decisions that can affect your company or even your relationship. Someone might throw something at you and think, this is great. I need to go home. I have to tear it up. I have to think about it, put it back together. I have to process it. Sometimes I come back the next day, I'm like, yeah, but let's tweak it. Let's go with this Mm -hmm. way. But this, I love the path we're going, but with a couple of changes. 
Now, these are the things that we discuss in the classroom, and it comes very naturally, I guess is the right word, to some people. And others, it takes some time, you know, mm-hmm. development over time, but it's, it's a remarkable phenomenon any way you cut it. I had a partner, and when we had our magazine, sometimes he'd come, and we had a great advisory board, just mm-hmm. a phenomenal advisory board. And sometimes they'd come in and, you know, well, this is what we're wanting to see or that. or, And I, my partner and I would talk about it, and I'd say, no, I don't know. I don't feel that way. I was very strong, you know. And, and then the next day I thought, why did I? Well, in the world, that's a great idea. So, you know, sometimes I I try to tell myself it really is important to open the door for opportunities for others because sometimes we might not see it at that moment like that. But and it it ends up paying up, paying because then you realize that was a better decision. And that comes with listening to mm-hmm. really listening and just digesting it. And then, you know, the process part. And then the next day you come back and you're like, let's do it. What do you suppose makes for a successful advisory board. You were discussing listening skills, mm-hmm. being able to work together, cogitate ideas, mm-hmm. deconstruct. What do you think makes a successful advisory board? Diverse, diversity. Mm-hmm. It was really important. I had, you know, having women on there versus men, mm-hmm. you know, having someone who was a lot older and maybe someone, you know, and they're maybe they're late or early 40s, you know, that has an opportunity to see things differently. Diversity is really important because you get the perspective from different ones and um, bringing to the table. So not only experience, because of course, you're going to always bring those with experience, but and their own expertise coming together. So that's important. You don't want the board that all comes together and agrees with everything you say because nothing will change. Mm-hmm. So you want those that are going to challenge you and kind of question you. And and then it gives you the opportunity to go home and really think about it and come up with different solutions. What would Christine now say to start a conversation with Christine then? I would probably say, let's have a cup of coffee. I really want to get to know you better and hear what you have to say and what you feel and what you think. Because I think when you're younger and you're starting your career, it is nice to have somebody that's really interested in what you feel or what you think. So I think that's what my question would be. What do you think she might say back? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought. (laughs) What was your major in college? Communications. How do you feel your communications major altered the course of your life? Well, when I think back now, for a while there, I was wondering how that helped. But really, I remember when I immediately got involved with the debate speech class, debate class, and we went around to different schools and impromptu speaking. And just there was probably so many I joined the team because my teacher at that time said, you know, you're really good at this and you should join up. Well, in my mind, I thought, oh, this is horrible. Like who wants to do impromptu and go and compete with other students? But, you know, I actually really loved it. We had argumentative and just different, it was a list of different things that we had to take these classes on and compete. And I really did like it. So I think though, even though I do not like getting up in front of people and Mm -hmm. speaking, I would have to say that there were so many things in school in my major that did help me. Was there a major that you were curious about that you didn't end up pursuing? Sociology, human behavior. I Mm. just thought that was always really fascinating. I just always would go into the other classes and kind of listen. The way people think to me always fascinated me, honestly. Adversity, being on the ropes, it's always part of the story. Take me back to the first moment in your career that you realized you might not be able to deal with this challenge, whatever that challenge was. You know, Pablo, I'm sure there were many when I think back, but I think that the, that's part of the job. There's going to be, you know, times where you're going to go, oh, gosh, am I over my head? And that's just part of what we do and what we all face. I mean, it doesn't matter really what job you have. Sometimes we get in situations where we kind of think, oh, man, how am I going to fix this? Mm -hmm. And I think overall, the best way of dealing with it is just get in there and do your very best. Mm-hmm. Give 100% and that's all you can do. You're not failing if you give 100%. You're mm-hmm. only failing if you're not doing it, if you're mm-hmm. not giving of yourself and trying. I'm not perfect. There are going to be times where there's mistakes. It's how we deal with it. How do you check yourself with that? Because I, I, for example, I knew a person who had this like very, he was very regimented 
uh, exercise that when he went home, he would always do it. He would look in the mirror and he would ask himself, did you do your best today? And it sounds a little hokey and corny, I guess, but mm. he would repeat that. And, it's, and it brought a significant amount of peace to a person who was over uh, high achieving, you could right. say, to find that kind of peace. Is there any way that you, how do you check with yourself? I think, and you know, there's a book that goes over like the firstborn only child, how mm-hmm. they have such a high, exactly what we're talking about, you know, perfection. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the way I was raised too. My my parents would always say, you just do your very best. There's nothing you can do. You're not going to, you know, you're going to mess up once in a while. Someone's going to come in and scream, but they get over it. Life goes on. <laughs> right. You know, nothing is that major where you can't try to do your best to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes you, you have to go in and you have to say, hey, guys. I screwed up. Here's what I'm doing to fix it. Mm. You know, you you can't whine and cry about it. You've just got to figure out a solution, go back in and say, here's what we're going to do to, you know, fix that. I tell my girls, my team, you know, before an event, every event, there's always going to be major problem, but nobody might be aware of it. It's how we handle it. So before I would notice when I came in, everybody was like, oh, you know, all Mm -hmm. upset. So now we have a little pep talk and we say, okay, something might go wrong. How are we going to fix it? Mm -hmm. We get behind you and we go and help you. We get behind you and we fix it. We do our very best. And then we just roll with it. Nobody else is really going to know. And believe you me, we've had those situations. So Mm -hmm. you just do your very best is all you can do. Ever want to throw in the towel? No, I can't say that I've ever felt like this is it. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's been times that I've have felt pretty close to saying, oh, I'm really upset here. But then you just kind of realize, again, you've got to develop a tough skin and and realize if you take a leadership position, you know, you're in charge of everything. You know, you can't throw the blame to anyone else. Mm -hmm. When you have a board, you're going to constantly be asked questions. I have 12 or maybe I have 13. I have 13 different personalities, different perspectives, different Mm -hmm. ideas. And I have to be willing to hear them all and hold that high respect for them because they're volunteering their time and to help um, help me. That's how I look at it. I look mm-hmm. at my board as they're there to champion me and support me. So I look at them when they have those. It may not, we may not always see things on the same page, but at the end of the day, it's really just kind of understanding that we're here for the same purpose, which is the mission of the, the organization. There's a genius to managing personalities. Oh, there I've is. I've learned. What was that? It's a, I can see you. I can see you see that as well. What, what helps you, for example, I guess? They have to see your passion. They have to see the excitement and see what you're capable of doing because then they get excited and mm. they want to be part of it. If I came in rigid and grumpy and mm. moody, you've just lost the support, you've lost it all. So if you take that position and you want people to understand and see the value of what you're offering, then you have to come in with that passion and that excitement so they can see it. Same thing when I have to go ask for money and I'm asking for someone to be a sponsor Mm -hmm. or corporate sponsor. I can't go in there going, yeah, you know, we're doing this. Can you give me (laughs) some money? I have to walk away with them feeling like, oh, I'm so glad I did this. Now, how how are you going to make them feel that way? Mm-hmm. Unless you're walking in and really telling a great story that you believe in mm-hmm. and with passion and they see it in your eyes. So mm-hmm. then they feel good because they know that they have, they're giving their money out to a great organization. What role has family played throughout your journey? How did it evolve? Well, I'm fortunate that I have a very supportive husband. I don't know if I could have been able to do what I do without that because, as you know, I'm out quite a bit. Everyone thinks that I drag my husband out. I definitely do not drag him out. <laughs> but he does have a great personality of saying, hey, do you want me to go with you? Sure, I'd love to go with you. Yeah, I'd love to go with you to that. And so just having this support, we don't talk about work. Uh, I know no. other couples out there come home and they get, we just have never done that. So mm. that's our rule. When we come home, it's turned off and it's our family time and just us having fun. But it isn't so good and it's so nice to have his support. So it is important. What is the trick, man? Like <laughs> how, how do you, it, uh, no, it's, I, I, when I talk to my students about this, our careers are such a huge part of our senses of self. 
And that happens from like eight in the morning till whenever you get home at night. How do you keep it out of the conversation? You know, once in a while, I'll go, you know, I might go, oh, you're not going to believe it. He'll look at me and say, does this work? And I'm like, yes. Okay. We're not going to go there because, you know, I, I understand it now. Sometimes, you know, you're in a situation with a bad day or bad situation and it, it lies heavy on our shoulders. I'll give you an example. I was in a meeting the other day and I was listening to someone and it just really rubbed me the wrong way. And it just was so heavy on my heart that it just bummed me out for the afternoon because Mm -hmm. I really didn't know that this person thought the way they did until they expressed it. Mm -hmm. And so it wouldn't leave. It just like lingered. So I was at the office trying to close out and then I went home and, and then I was sitting there and kind of my mind went off of having a glass of wine, relax. And then I turned around and said, you're not going to believe this. And he looked at me, he said, work, let it go. And he was right because, you know, I, I have to let it go. Everyone has a different thought, opinion and life and whatever, but I don't want to bring it home. And I don't want to bring that negative energy to my home. So for us, that works, you know. What aspect of leadership do you feel came most naturally to you? I've never had a problem going into a room and and really connecting with different ones who may not look like me, think like me, or think opposite of me mm-hmm. because of the fact the way I was raised. So I think that having the opportunity to just make sure the door is open to hear what they say, because I don't know if that person might be a great partner for our organization. So I never want to close those doors. I think part of leadership really is putting your best foot forward being professional at all times and making sure when you leave that person, you know, you're setting a good example because you really, you're representing the organization you work with. Mm -hmm. You're representing the boards you sit on, you know, the commissions you're on, the different organizations. So, you know, you have to really look at it as just putting your best foot forward and being a good listener. And, you know, I wouldn't want to meet somebody who, I think it's unprofessional, you know, who wants to get into a sarcastic argument. Where is that going to lead to? You know, it's not going to go anywhere. You're not going to change my thoughts or my feelings. You've closed that window. But instead, opening it up by just, you know, maybe having coffee and saying, you know, we probably don't see eye eye to eye on that job, Mm -hmm. but maybe we can try to figure out another solution that would work better. I think everyone's experienced this at least once in their careers. What did you have to fake your way through? until help arrived at any time in your career? I wouldn't say fake my way through. What I would say is you're going to go on sometimes a board. I'll give you an example. You you go on a board and there's different terminology. There's so many mm-hmm. different acronyms that you're using. Sometimes you're going, what are we talking about when these people have been sitting around and understand it? Mm-hmm. But you got to remember wherever you go, there's different there's going to be challenges where you're really going to mm-hmm. feel like, oh, maybe maybe I don't understand. Maybe I am over my head. Mm-hmm. But then you have to take a seat back and you have to take that time to really understand, like really read your notes and your minutes and maybe ask somebody else who's sitting on there, can you explain this? I'm a little bit behind. You know, I don't really understand the process here. So I don't know if it's really faking it. I think we've all been in positions where we feel a little bit like when you go in for a test and mm-hmm. you got those kids that just do take the test and they're done in two minutes and have the <laughs> A and I'm the last one in the class because, you know, it, it takes longer. Uh-huh. So, you know, same thing. I think that that there are others who can walk in and just catch it really quick. Maybe they're, they ha- they can relate to whatever the conversation or whatever it is that you're discussing. And for others, you know, it, like I said, I, it takes, it took me time. I went into the hospice and they, they started throwing terms and acronyms. I had no mm-hmm. idea in the medical field. I'm not in the medical field, but I do know what hospice provides. Mm-hmm. So did I feel a little bit, wow, what are we talking about? I probably did. So I always say for the first, you know, couple of meetings, you just want to sit there and learn all you can and listen. Mm-hmm. So I would say that. Take me back to the moment that you saw the light or the spark that most inspired you to know that you could design your own career the way you wanted it. I'm still trying to find that light, Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, funny I, and hopeful I, at the same time. That's great. <laughs> 
I think that every time you turn around, hopefully, as you keep pushing yourself and you keep giving 100%, you know, others will see, you know, what you can provide and what you can offer and the relationships. So, you know, I tell every entrepreneurial, every young person that's out there, Mm -hmm. keep that door and that window of opportunity open because you never know tomorrow what doors might open. You never know who you might have met at an event or somewhere you don't know if someone's watching you and thinking you know, this person might be a great leader for our organization or our nonprofit or our board. Just keep working and keep striving to give 100%. That would be my thinking. What does the word leadership mean to you? I would say giving 100%, setting the bar high, being a great example, being willing to pull those that are wanting that role right next to you, mm-hmm. pushing them forward. If a opportunity comes up, you're opening that door and you're connecting others and giving them the opportunity to maybe that they would never have. We have so many great connections, mm-hmm. but there are others that are just starting their course in life and they need that opportunity. So for us, I think a great leader is opening a door for others helping them, pulling them in and being there. I have a lot of young people that will call me going, can I meet you for coffee? I'd love to, you know, tell you about this or share this or what are your thoughts? Or I just want to be around you. And I'm always thinking, I why would you want to be around me? But, you know, I just think it's great. Either way, I want to be there for them, whatever they need. So I think a good leader is humble, someone that gives 100% and really opens a door for others. Who was the leader who most impressed Christine in her early years and why? I can't think of anyone in particular. I've worked for some great companies of different ones who've owned their organization. I had Gary, who I just love and adore, you know, started his company academically. He didn't do very well. Mm -hmm. And his brother's did really well in college. And so his brothers went off to law school. And when he was 17, he started as a paper boy Mm -hmm. and started doing the paper. And then he's got a little part-time job working with a guy who was a printer and he learned all he could. Guy wanted to retire and it was a tiny little thing. It was kind of going out of business. And Gary said, "I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll buy it. And he'd been saving all his money for years. And he bought this little printing place and started going to others and asking if he could print for them for different things. And, you know, fast forward 20 years, mm-hmm. his brothers, when we would all get together, who were attorneys and Gary, who now own this multi-billion dollar business did so well, but he always said through that, there were so many failures that he had to learn to overcome those obstacles, but people didn't see that. All mm-hmm. they saw was that this man, you know, owns a helicopter. He's doing really well financially. He's just doing amazing, but they didn't see all those tribulations that he had to go through to get where he was at. And it was even harder for him because his personality, he wasn't a public person. He liked to be behind machines fixing and cleaning. But what I appreciated about him, he says, you're not good at everything. Mm -hmm. You just hire those that are good at everything and then you make it work. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when you run a business, uh, we tend to think I have to do it all or it's going to fail, but really it isn't. It's a whole thing of, I've got a great team kind of giving everybody what they're better at and letting them run with it because it really is a team effort and you're going to have times where, you know, it does fall apart. So I look at uh, all the different ones that were around me that uh, set those examples and share those stories And again, he was an entrepreneurial and had that spirit and really so many life lessons. So there, I've been surrounded by so many. I can give you tons of stories. (laughs) I'm very fortunate to serve this amazing institution, Stan State, in a couple of different capacities. And this is one of the cool things I get to do, right? Right. How have you seen Stan State evolve over the years? I've had the opportunity to see Stan State more involved in our community, more partnerships and more collaborations. You know, when you go out, it's so important for your schools, your junior college to be involved. You know, it's important to realize that when most of these students graduate, we hope they stay here. 
Mm-hmm. And how proud it must be to eventually see these next ones that graduated now become leaders. So I think under Ellen, it's been exciting to see her vision and to see the great things that are happening in San Joaquin and the partnerships. When I was at the chamber, I sat down with her and I said, you know, I'd love to have a partner. She, she said, absolutely. We would love to be part of the chamber. Whatever I've done or most people in the community, she's always given 100%. So I think that's, that's something I've really appreciated. And the few moments I've been able to spend with her have been memorable and impactful. It's an amazing individual. Mm-hmm. When you think of Stan State, what comes to your mind first? Diversity and inclusion number one, and a place where you feel belong. You see so many, you know, more students sharing their story. I follow the newsletter and the, is it the magazine that they have coming out? Mm-hmm. And I love seeing and reading these stories of different individuals feeling proud of what they're accomplishing and proud that they have the support here at Stan State. Mm-hmm. So it's really special to see so many different ones doing well and having a great story to share. I'm glad that Stan State shares those stories. It's so important. Absolutely. And the, the energy here is really remarkable. You spend enough time with the students mm-hmm. in the classrooms or even just, you know, walking around the campus. It's, it gives you something. Right, you right. You know what I mean? I enjoyed my time in corporate, but there's something really remarkable happening here. You mm-hmm. know? What are your thoughts on the Warrior Entrepreneurship and Innovation Initiative and its place in the region going forward? I think it's absolutely wonderful when you're sharing and talking to me about it. Here we are again talking about another great initiative that's going forward in a positive way and showcasing some amazing stories. I'm looking forward to hearing and following and seeing what you're doing and what what's happening here because it really is important to to share those journeys and share those stories. So this is exciting. I'm congratulations on all that you guys are doing having this time to share with you, Christine, has reminded me of so many times that I've seen this personally from working with and knowing you. I wonder if you could describe the feeling of seeing people whom you've met at the beginning of their startup or their, the beginning of their career journey, the feeling of watching them grow and succeed. And what has that been like for you? That's one of the most rewarding and it just fills my heart with joy. For an example, um, there are so many from the chamber that I got to know in the beginning when they first started and hearing, you know, some of the, the heartaches that you go through when you're trying to open your business and hearing and seeing where they're at now. You run into them or you read an article and you're just like, I remember when they first started mm-hmm. here and nobody even knew them. And you're just like, this, this is exciting. This is what the American dream really is all about. You know, it's working hard and really dreaming about success. And it finally happens. Does anybody jump to mind? There's so many that I could think of, but one was contentment brewing. We were at a rotary event and I could remember my husband saying, oh, I just met this husband and wife who are starting their brewery over by MJC. They haven't opened it. They weren't even, I don't even think there was a building really there. They just bought the building. And we started talking and they're both school teachers, just an amazing young couple. And you know, as I got to know them and and hearing about, you know, starting businesses are not always easy in California. It doesn't always make it, we don't make it business friendly. So overcoming so many obstacles that they both had to go through and seeing where they're at now is incredible. And I have to say, honestly, that so many of those relationships that I made from the chamber, I still call on today. You know, my photographer that I, that I was at the chamber who, you know, is an entrepreneur, has his own business. I still call him and work with him. And there's just different ones that I've had great relationships. We have a, another business on McHenry and they have equipment and I can go anywhere to, you know, rent equipment for events, but I still call her and her husband because loved their dream. And I think that's what we're here for, to support others. So it really does warm my heart. I'm really honored and privileged to call them friends. Complete this sentence. Recently, I've... 
I went on vacation and I turned everything off and enjoyed life. You got to teach me that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I, you know, I honestly feel it's so important. You think about life, you know, we're given and it's so precious and we're just given a limited time. Seems like forever, but it really isn't. And when it's time to turn it off and enjoy the moment, you know, it was time for me to do that. So that's what I did. The longer I do what I do, the more I the more I love it. <laughs> I love challenges, so I love what I do 100%. Just get out there and do it. If it feels uncomfortable, you're on the right track. Push yourself. There are always people who... You know, there are, there are people who want us to be successful, and you really need to find your tribe. Those that'll support you through those hard times and bad times, or those that are just listening that you could just talk about. So find those ones that are going to be behind you and support you. Good friends. Life has taught me to be strong. You can't fall apart. You can't cry and whine. You've got to get up and just do it again. You've got to have a strong back. If you want a leadership role, you've got to be strong. My mantra is. Work hard, but when it's time to take the day off or vacation, you've got to let it go. Do you hear that, Pablo? Let's say that again. Oh, God, here we go. This is the part where I was, again, what is it? How's it going again? <laughs> you have to work hard, work but hard, take, time take time to enjoy life. To enjoy life. That sound is my teeth grinding <laughs> against each other. Success teaches you. To stay humble and help others. Setbacks teach you. It's a part of life. Tomorrow's another day and another opportunity. Being a board member makes you. It gives you the opportunity to learn other perspectives, hear other ideas, and work together. The hardest thing about learning to trust your instincts or intuition is. Taking that first step and just doing it. People would be surprised to know that I... People always think that I'm a social person and that I want to be out all the time, but those that know me really close know that I could be home all weekend. I love being at home, and that shocks people all the time. Now we come to the section of random association, which we love to have with our guests. I will say a word, and if you like, say the first one that comes to your mind. Expressions are also acceptable. Collaboration. Working together. Cause. Belief. Diversity. Love. Mentor. Friendship. Idea. Process. Communication. Listening. Relationships. Important. Adversity. Challenge. Torch. Light. Inclusion. Diversity. Joy. Love. Legacy. Mentor. And now we come to the segment of our podcast we affectionately call The Eleven. First from Proust, then to PVA, and on to James Lipton, shamelessly appropriated by this podcast for your edutainment purposes. What is your favorite part of starting something new? I think the challenge. You know, every time I bring on a new project, and my board goes, what are you, are you, can you do this? And I say, absolutely. So it would be the challenge. What is your least favorite part of starting something? Now it's actually putting it together and <laughs> working on it. I'm great with ideas. <laughs> <laughs> what interests you most? People and people with different perspectives and ideas. What interests you least? Drama. Stay away from it. What did you enjoy most? about your early days at the Central Valley Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, now the Stanislas Latino Chamber of Commerce? All the great relationships that were made there, the opportunity to grow the chamber, the opportunity that the board supported me, the different ideas that we had, I had their support. How important is it for young people to get involved early in their careers? Well, if you're wanting a great career and you're wanting 
to move up the ladder and, you know, we all start somewhere and eventually you kind of see yourself moving forward. You have to open up those doors of collaboration and friendships. And so I think it is important to, you know, pick two or three and develop really good relationships. And from there, you keep just growing that circle. The other thing I say too is the social media platform sometimes can be daunting. But for me, for a young person, if when you graduate and you start, LinkedIn is such a great place to put out, you know, your resume, who you are, what you're wanting to do and letting others see. So every time you meet someone, I immediately go and connect with them on LinkedIn. I send them a nice note. It's great knowing you. Hopefully we'll get a chance to meet again. And then if you see them putting, sharing things, you know, take a moment to read it, understand it and like it, get involved because that opens the door. And so it's just a great way to open up your circle and grow that network. What profession, non-entrepreneurial, do you admire the most? A psychiatrist. (laughs) Because they, you know, they have to deal with a lot. I don't know if I'd have the patience for that. (laughs) But I admire their skill and the way that they're able to work with others. What job prior to nonprofit entrepreneurship did you like the most? Of course, my magazine. I love that. I met incredible people and I had the opportunity to share their stories. I had the opportunity to you know, sit back and really put them out there and showcase them and some of the obstacles that they had to go through, you know, to get where they were at. So my magazine was just my, me and my partner really enjoyed it and it was great. What job prior to nonprofit entrepreneurship did you dislike the most and why? Honestly, Pablo, I've loved all my jobs. I've had every job has led me to where I'm at now. Every job opened the window of opportunity. I've never worked in a fast food or anything like that. So when my first job in high school was Head Start, and I had the opportunity to learn about Head Start, didn't know about it. And I was a receptionist during the summer, and that's what I did. And then I went to the banks, and that was it. So I can't think of anything that I disliked. If I didn't like it, then I would just leave. This is a day for revelation. We're not, you're going to have to give us a minute because we've not heard that answer before. So give us a moment to regain our footing. And here we go. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Thank you for letting me live life. Immediately thereafter, what idea or innovation would you like to pitch him, her, they, it for humanity? Oh, for us to just get along. I want us to go back to a time where we can all sit in a room and just enjoy conversation and enjoy, you know, talking about irrelevant things like football or whatever it was. Just having a a time where families got together and there's no arguing or division or anything like that. I really do miss that. There's always hope. Christine Schweininger, thank you so much for joining us in the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Studio. Thank you so much for having me. It was truly an honor. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Studio. This podcast is part of the Warrior Entrepreneurship and Innovation Program, affectionately known as The We. Our series is recorded on the campus of Stanislaus State at the KCSS radio station and produced by Frankie Tovar. Follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. I'm Dr. Pablo Paredes Romero, wishing you the best of everything, always.